Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is presented by mybookie.ag and that if you use the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, that you will get a 50% deposit bonus on your first deposit. And given that you are a listener to this podcast, I would assume you're relatively knowledgeable about sports and I would trust you to try your edge on the online sports book. You can lay down some money and get in on the action at one of the safest online sports books in the world. It's the only one that I am currently using. You can wager on all sorts of different outcomes on mybookie.ag, soccer, football, any major league, esports. You can even create your own player props, which is useful for me because if you know anything about me, I do enjoy uh, a good player prop. So if you deposit using the promo code MATTEK, M-A-T-T-E-K, you get a you get a 50% de- bonus when you deposit and i will add this for listeners of the takecast if you deposit using the promo code matic and you send proof of it to me on twitter i will follow you on twitter and you can have access to me via dms whenever you want that's the that's the takecast bonus that i'm adding in association with the mybookie.ag deposit bonus now let's get back to the show Daily Roto is a mostly proud sponsor of the TakeCast, a mostly sports podcast. TakeCast listeners can save 10% at Daily Roto with the promo code Janis, J-A-N-I-S. If you are playing on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto will help you improve your daily fantasy results this fall and save time in the process with lineup optimizers, ownership projections, fantasy projections, premium content, and much more. They have all the good stuff that you want to help you make money at sports betting and daily fantasy. Their new lineup optimizer will let you build optimal GPP teams with stacks based on their projections faster than I can punt money off betting on Peter Uline. Sure, you can play the guys that I recommend each week, but shouldn't you also get advice from a proven daily fantasy winner like Drew Dinkmeyer? Yes, I do have better hair than Drew, but I also have his cell phone number, and that makes me a winner almost as much as it makes him a winner of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. And it's not just fantasy. They have tools to bet on player props, golf matchups, and a customizable NFL game simulator for this fall. Save 10% with promo code Janice today. All right, we're here. We're throwing we're the heavyweight battle. We are bringing in Josh Hermsmeyer, Frisco Josh, to tell us once and for all why defenses don't matter and why everyone on DFS Twitter uh, is an absolute cretin who lives in, in 1974. I will be taking the position that if you ignore matchups entirely, you probably would not win in the games that we choose to play Josh will be taking the position that none of us have the math to prove that we're right, so therefore we're all dumb. Josh, how has your day-to-day life been impacted by this debate? Has it at all? Because I will say this, when I'm in a Twitter feud, my actual mood does get altered. I assume for you, maybe not the same. I I think I get more happy. Um, There's nothing I like more than a good uh, debate, and I love good trolling, like good, healthy, you know, happy trolling like you know um some of it some of it's been a little venomous but like 
uh, I don't know. I play in some leagues where the trash talk is like ridiculous. Like it's ridiculous. And, you know, Twitter is child's play. It's nothing compared to, you know, when guys know you and have known you your entire life and know the buttons to push and can just, just absolutely destroy you. I mean, Twitter, get out of here. It's nothing. And I think uh, also there's a fun way to troll people where you, you know, you don't obviously don't make fun of things they can't control and, you know, things that aren't their thinking, right? I mock people's bad, poor thinking. And I think that that's, if we can't do that, then we can't have intellectual discussion about anything. It's the, it's the bedrock of science is to say, no, you're wrong. And here's why I think it. Um, if you, if you have an opinion, back it up, man. And then we will, dude, I will give you all of, all of the respect and we will have the most considerate and enlightening conversation. But when you come at me with, you know, nonsense where you're just spewing, like, you know, well, what is there to say? And then, then you just get trolled right back and I call you an enumerate rube. So, so before we get into why we are enumerate rubes, I actually think it would be very helpful if you would explain, first of all, why you don't play DFS, but more importantly than that, and this is actually a real opinion and one that I had not considered until um, Kevin Cole explained it in such a way that actually made sense, why DFS would not even be necessarily a great test of why defenses do not matter. Yeah, that's, uh, Kevin Cole made a great point. I, I kind of put he did, it in He my made own. a great point. I kind of put my own little spin on it too, to, uh, to, uh, two hats, one mic. And, and, and really what it comes down to is, um, you know, I'm making an argument really based on evidence and data and back testing, and then actually taking that data and then using out of sample data to test it in a way that's rigorous so that we can make a truth claim and put realistic kind of uncertainty, quantified uncertainty around the truth claim and say, look, I, I'm pretty confident this is true, but here's exactly why I believe it. And here's the level of confidence I have in this, in this truth claim. And then when you, when you then take um, a statement like that, a claim like that, and you say, let's, let's bet about it. Now we're talking about something entirely different. We're talking about, we need to set the terms of this bet in such a way that either I have an advantage or at least I don't have a disadvantage. And then we need to figure out odds on the thing. And then we need to exactly find the specific instance in life where we'll have at least a couple tries at making this bet. And, and, and even then, you have such a small sample there, right? Which is the problem I'm trying to, I'm trying to solve that problem with the backtesting of the data and then testing it on out-of-sample data. I mean, that's the entire problem I'm trying to solve with uh, the analysis I'm doing. And you're saying, well, let's bet on two times or one time. And, uh, or let's bet on a season. And I'm looking at 12 seasons. Like, it's crazy. And it's, it's, uh, it's a really poor way to try and arrive at an idea about truth. But I understand DFS Twitter and I understand the argument about skin in the game and I'm a huge Philippe fan and I, I believe in that. But that is not an argument about why I'm wrong. It's only an argument why you shouldn't listen to me. And you shouldn't. I mean, if this triggers you and it makes you emotional and you've had success and you credit it to defenses, continue with your process and ignore Frisco Josh. That is, I'm not in here telling you what to do. But I am saying defenses don't matter. I mean, it doesn't harm you. I mean, it's really, it's actually completely innocuous mistake to make. You're attributing to something that isn't there. And, and that's fine. And, and I think as we get more data, and I think got Brian Burke at ESPN is doing some really good work on this. Your dad. Uh, my dad. Um, he's doing some really good work on this. And I think we might find in the future places where we can hang our hat on a matchup and say, hey, look, this is a smash matchup and the, the data supports it, the math supports it, and the narrative supports it, let's go. 
And, and I'm looking, actively looking for those. Um, this isn't like I said, defenses don't matter and quit. It, I am saying though, the way that we argue and base narratives about defense don't matter. The ways that we have typically in the past said, here's how you should approach a matchup. They don't, they don't seem to, uh, you can't reject the null. That, like, I'll, I'll, I'll start this whole thing off with the most scientific and most accurate way to say this. Based on the data I've looked at over the past 20 seasons, I cannot reject the null that defenses don't matter, that there is no effect on offensive production and fantasy. And because of that, because the signal, and moreover than that, that on a week-to-week basis, the effect is ephemeral. So some weeks it's there and some weeks it's not, and it's small. And so if you are in the business of creating a predictive model, a parsimonious model, one that is stingy, one that applies Occam's razor, that, that simpler is better to its approach, you reject defense as a predictor. That's it. So my main supposition, I guess, as someone who comes at this from someone who forecasts, who regularly bets games against the spread, who plays DFS every week, my argument would not necessarily so much be that defense matters insofar as, oh, these cornerbacks are really good, so you shouldn't play Robert Woods, even though he has all these air yards. It would more be like, this specific matchup lends itself to a lot of plays. Like, the, like Green Bay Detroit last week, great example. I'm not, I'm not talking about the defenses themselves. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know if I can name more than three Green Bay Packers defensive players, but that game lent itself to a lot of plays because both of those teams pass the ball a lot and are most effective passing the ball. So is your supposition that matchups do not matter or that defenses do not matter? Because I think there is a key distinction there in how teams influence each other's play calling. Yeah, it's matchups. Um, it's, it's basically anything I've looked at except for maybe, and this is something ADHD is looking at right now, is there may be a way that we can measure how a defense approaches their defensive line play that will help us find smash spots better. And uh, because... If a quarterback is under duress, he doesn't play to his ceiling. Um, one of the most predictive measures we have for quarterback play, and then that trickles down to the offense, obviously, is whether he is passing from a clean pocket or not. Clean pocket, when a quarterback is not hit, that the metrics, the numbers, the stats he produces from those situations are far more predictive of future performance than when he's under pressure. Under pressure is this wild thing where like it's kind of like that whole, that whole Dickens thing, all, you know, all bad families are different in their own way or I have it reversed in any way. A bad pocket is always different. It's always some weird off platform throw a guy coming from your left guy coming from your right. So it's, it's the case that you can't really take much from those situations and and say, well, this is how he's going to perform under pressure next week. No, we don't know that. We do know that when he has a clean pocket, if he performed well, this week, he may perform close to that the next week. And that's predictive. And that's great. And so what we want to find is spots where that, that will be the case. More likely than not, that will be the case, that he will be making most of his throws from a clean pocket, which means they will be more accurate. It means the receivers will have better chances to have yak. And you might have more shot plays. So how do you go about predicting matchup independent volume? Right? Like, do you just set a baseline and you just say, this guy is likely to get this many targets every week? What, what factors go into predicting volume if you're, not in, if you're not weighting the defense that they're playing at all? 
So here's the key insight. And since, you know, this is a, uh, um, a podcast for uh, that people have to pay for, right? So, I mean, this is what I was actually talking about this with Bales. Like it's, it's the one thing that probably I should keep to myself because it's the biggest edge and people say it in a lot of different ways. And it is basically, you heard it said that we're not playing a game based on median outcomes. It's all about upside. It's all about downside. It's all about these things. Well, what defense does is it takes your median projection, which is going to be fucking wrong 80% of the time. And it moves it a tick one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. It's absolutely fucking useless. And so what are we trying to do? We're trying to find sets of receivers, sets of quarterbacks, sets of running backs that have a chance to smash this week. And there are leading indicators that allow us to do this. The fact of the matter is, is that unlike the stock market, uh, player performance is cyclical. And we have leading indicators that can help us time the peaks and troughs. And if you're not using those signals to predict the peaks and the troughs, you're missing out on the entire thing. That's the entire game. Um, because our median projections are garbage. They're fucking shit. Every week, we're off by 50% yeah. on our projections. It's, it's nonsense that we're arguing about a 1% lift on our median projection. And that's my point. That's been my point the whole time. Everyone wants to argue about defenses matter because they have their spreadsheet that's color-coded with the with a DVOA for defense and a, and a Vegas total in red. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. I don't care what you do with your, with your spreadsheets, but you're missing the forest for the trees if you're focusing on these tiny lifts on your median projection. So then I guess what are, like, other than, so what for wide receivers, air yards, right? Like, it's, it's air yards, and then everything else is kind of secondary. No, it's, targets. it's targets are twice as important as air yards, but air yards give us, a context to those targets that we didn't have sure. before. How, how leveraged is the target? And, and we know when we put both of those things together along with other things that I'm, I'm not talking about because my model is proprietary, along with these other things, it, it allows us to identify guys who are closer to one of those peaks than they are to a trough. That's it. Because player performance is cyclical. It's, it follows a sine wave. There are ups and downs. And, and our median goes right through the middle of those ups and downs. And that's why it's always fucking wrong. True. So what, what indicators from the special sauce are you willing to give away that matter more than defense, than defensive magic? We got targets. Oh, no, it's that. It's targets and area yards and, and Whopper is it. Like if you took Whopper and you plotted it along with PPR per game, and you looked at the guys that were well under the trend line, you will get a lot of what the model gives. You'll get, it's like 80-20. It's like 80-20. Um, the, the other part of the thing that I do that's, that's different than what a lot of other people do is I only look at a three-game rolling. And that's because I don't want week one and two right now, or even week, week one and two right now, to uh, influence because the cycles are already starting to repeat again. So that's it. I mean, that, I mean that's 90% of it right there. So when is Julio going to score a touchdown? I don't know. He's not on the list this week. Again, I let the machine learning model do all the heavy lifting for me because I put all the, all the work into building it, right? Testing all the things that go into it. So now, yeah. now I just sit back and press a fucking button. It's fucking glorious. But like, you know, like you, you asked me to like question why the model, put a narrative on the model. It's one of the things I fight with my editors at my fantasy sites about wherever I publish it. Well, give us the narrative. Why is the model thinking this? It's a fucking model, man. I don't know. I built it and it's telling me it's good and I trust it. So here, here it is. I actually, I actually think 
it would help even to go a step further back and explain machine learning because it's not even something, and I, I don't think of myself as dumb. Like I know about like a lot of things and machine learning is not something that I would feel comfortable describing, like defining to someone else. Yeah, it's, it's a catch-all phrase for just um, algorithms, right? Um, so, you know, you can pick, there's probably 80 of them out there now at this point. And you can pick them, and a lot of people just use one, why well, use many? I throw them all together and I test. A, so, you can test the things you put into your model, and then you can run it through all these different, different types of models, machine learning models. Some of them are called neural nets. Some of them are called model vector machines. Some of them are called Ranger, which is bagging and boosting regression. Bagging and boosting is just taking thousands of samples, testing them against your, um, your data, and then overfitting ridiculously. Like, so that it, it, like, if, you, if you didn't test out a sample after doing like Ranger or some of these modeling uh, procedures, you would have a perfect prediction fit. It would, the overfitting would be like, it would, it would have gotten everything right. But then you need to take that and then test it on unseen data, right? You got to take it and test it on stuff that it's never seen before. And then you find that it gives you about a 10 to 20% increase in performance over just regular regression analysis, the, the standard stuff that economists and, and scientists have been doing for years. And so I, I, I test a bunch of different models. I find the best models. I find the best predictors. I add them all together. This took me months. And then I create the model and now I just press a button. So because the game, specifically the daily fantasy game, is not played in a vacuum, someone that I think rates really well in your stuff and weighted opportunity ranking, air yards, targets, target share, all of that, Corey Davis. So for like daily gamers, he would be someone who is not particularly interesting because of the volume of that offense holistically. And I actually, like, I would argue with you and say that the Titans offense is actually really predicated on matchup because the other team can put them in a position to throw more often. And that's not what the coaching staff wants to do. So what would be your reverse argument from that and saying like, look, you are putting too much faith in your context and your ability to predict context with specifically someone like Corey Davis. And I, if I, I'm sure if I went and looked at the 2017 model, there would be someone like that as well who had really good peripheral numbers but just didn't get there from a daily fantasy perspective. Zay Davis, Zay Davis was the sure. guy uh, last year who got all the opportunity. He was on the model maybe seven times and he never hit. Um, and I even said after the fourth week of – Corey Davis when he was the third being on the model, I said with fucking, you know, like sirens, Corey Davis could be not, not is not likely, but could be Zay Jones. And, and then, but we have all our other priors, right? People aren't dumb and I'm, and I'm not trying to throw away all the other good uh, analysis that's ever occurred on Corey Davis, things like his market share in college and, and just the, the way he dominated as a, as a college receiver. The fact that he was, you know, highly drafted, all of those things matter, matter. And so they make you believe that, no, he's probably he was not. good at the combine too. your favorite sort of analysis. But I, I don't, I don't throw it out. I just don't think you overweight it. And then like combine, I don't think you overweight it. I don't, I don't say combine doesn't matter at all. I just say, we think we overweight it. I I've gone further with defense. I think on a, on a, on a weekly basis, I think defense is, is not worthwhile to include, but the combine I do include in, in some models that I run. 
Um, but anyway, so what happened? We kept on getting a guy getting tons of volume, tons of opportunity and him underperforming it. Some of those weeks weren't terrible. You know, they were like eight point, nine point weeks. But then finally he had the blow up week. Well, he's not on the list anymore um, because player performance is cyclical. Um, the model no longer believes he has a peak coming. And so we ignore him. And, and that's, that's it. That's the whole deal. So built into the buy low model, built into these things that you have to forecast performance, how would you, how would you code in or machine learn the idea that, that player performance is cyclical? Because like to me, and this is actually probably something that uh, as like a, even though this is not really a thing, like left brain, right brain, as like a right brained person as like, oh, well, wait, which is supposed to be the creative? I don't even remember because it's such not uh, right a thing. Right brain is creative. Left brain is, it's such bullshit. But yeah, it is, I mean, it is totally <laughs> bullshit. But as someone who views the lens of the world through narratives, through like, let's just, I was an English major in college. That's just kind of, that's, that's me. So I love writing, by the way. I, English is my favorite subject. So I love writing. Only reason why I got into stats because I wanted to win arguments. Yeah, sure. And who does? And I got into fan and I got into analytics and football because I liked to win and fantasy football. And you don't you don't win by making up stories. You win by by looking at the data. But it is hard for someone who does not like. I can hear you talk about machine learning. I can hear you talk about the model. But it's hard for me to put into a context that my lizard brain is able to understand. So player, player output is cyclical. So what does that mean in terms of projection? How do you code in the idea that 30 points one week likely means that a 10 point week is coming the next, that, that these highs do not exist and that a Valley will soon come. Okay. So it, it's the simplest way to put it is if you were to graph uh, two sine waves, Okay, so sine wave is just basically up and down, up and down. It looks like a like a wave, and then you gave uh, added a period to it so that uh, it, a constant. You would have whopper opportunity being the first wave, and then the next wave would be production. Okay, yeah. and it goes it goes one period after it, so that you know that opportunity is way up here, but production's way down here, right in one in in one's period, and then it move it. Now opportunity is here and production's way up here. And now it knows, well, you're overproducing your volume. You're no longer on the list. We no longer think about you. That's a, it's, it's on a radio. It's really hard to do. I could do it on a tweet with, a, with an image. Another way to sure. think about it is once your points per game goes over what your volume, your whopper, or whatever you want to think about uh, your opportunity is, once it goes over what that thinks it should be, you're no longer on the list. Over, over a three-week rolling average. So like the people who are looking at airyards.com right now and they have it with all five weeks, those are not numbers you're dealing with anymore. The other thing I use that other people don't is that I use um, air yards behind DPI or any other holding play. I count those as targets. I count that as intent by the offense to that man. And so uh, having all that in there is helpful as well. So is that why your air yards numbers on the site look different than the NFL.com ones, the next gen stats? Next-gen stats are different because they measure air yards as the total uh, distance traveled by the football. So, so my, horizontal yards as well, basically? You could imagine it like a triangle, the hypotenuse. Yeah. You know, they, they, take, they take the total distance traveled while mine is perpendicular to the line of scrimmage. So 
you add five yards or whatever the drop of the quarterback is, and then you add the distance to the sideline that's different from a perpendicular measurement. So for instance, I'm just measuring line of scrimmage straight up like this. They're like this, you know, like, and again, this is terrible for radio, but you imagine instead of measuring um, a square, you're measuring a triangle. So all of this conversation has been about receivers, right? Talking about targets and air yards. How would you apply this prognostication, especially when referring to matchup not mattering at all to running backs? So the, the reason why running backs um, and matchup doesn't really matter to me is because it doesn't appear that running backs are used any differently based on the team they're faced. It's, a, it's more of a game script issue. And game script, um, um, for people that don't know, I'm sure everyone listens knows it. It's the idea that you run when you're ahead. You run, you run to win, to close out a game. Um, and guys that, uh, that are going to see a lot more volume typically see it um, in, in the second half of the game in a blowout. Um, unless you're a, a, a satellite back or someone who actually gets lots of targets like Kamara in the, in the passing game, you know, then, then they're kind of game script independent, and those are always good plays. Um, and then you just go off volume, you go off touch volume. Um, but the problem with game script is it's not predictive. Um, you can't look at game script from a season and predict the game script to the next. You can't do it um, in season. Um, it's just not something you can hang your hat on. You can look at Vegas totals and implied points and try and use that. But I think anyone who's done that, but week over week, time over time, will eventually find out or eventually come to the conclusion that while they keep doing it. That's no secret sauce there. There's no fucking secret sauce there. You're not, you're not able to correlate a Vegas number and a high implied total into a smash play for a running back. But um, I think you, I, I think it has been shown that like bit like being a, a larger favorite correlates to a, a higher amount of running back points. I think that like, and maybe it's just to FPPG, but like I, I, I'm I'm almost certain that there's like a real R squared correlation to like being like a seven point favorite and and running back points. Right, but that's the offense. Um, so it's really hard to disentangle running back performance from offensive performance. We're talking about defense. And, True, and but I, I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking about matchup, and I think that's an important distinction. Well, the, but that's the defense, right? The matchup is with someone on the defense. Well, it's also it's also your defense against the other team's offense that fits how your offense plays. Okay, so then we agree. So I think it's far more important to understand the other team's offense you're facing than their defense. I think that interaction between one offense and the other is one of the key parts of what makes Vegas lines predictive. See, but not I think I think you have not said that on Twitter, and I think I, I do actually truly believe that that's part of why people are so, you know, they, they have the pitchforks and are acting like you're Frankenstein's monster is because I think the way that it's coming off is basically like you seem to regress, not even regress, just project all defenses to be average or not project them at all. But I do think you... And, and it seems like you agree with me, you do need to account for the performance of the other team in regards to how it will influence your own offense to play. Yes, but the other team's offense, yes. not defense. Yeah, no, I think, I think that, uh, and I think I've said this, it, I've said this a number of times in different ways. It's that um, the, it's not that the defense matters of 
uh, it's not the defense doesn't matter for winning games or for limiting like drives or things like that. I mean, that's obviously true. Defense matters to winning a game. Defense matters to Vegas. Where it doesn't matter is when you're projecting the offensive output of running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. It matters a very small amount for quarterbacks. Uh, defenses can impact completion percentage for quarterbacks. Um, what we typically find is that that it's just completely uh, dominated by the fact that they pass more when you have inefficiency. So the counting stats just don't really take a hit in terms of in general, in terms of modeling. Um, there is a small effect, about 1% lift. But again, we get back to if you're playing a weekly game, the 1% lift doesn't matter, right? That's not the edge. Like we talked about the very top. Very top. You want to time the peaks and troughs. You want to avoid those zero games as best you can and try and time the peaks. So um, if you, if you say you were on vacation, right? And you're, uh, you're in whatever, California, I don't even know. You're in vacation. You can register for games on, uh, on draftkings.com. Mm-hmm. Where would you start creating a tournament lineup? What would be, what, what, what would go into your thought process? Who you're, who are you clicking the green arrow next to? Yeah. So I think it's, um, if I had a high floor guy on my uh, air yards model that uh, was projected to, to, to well, that made the model, right? That made the list. Someone like Odell Beckham last week. Um, you but know, what if, are, are you always trying to buy low? So wouldn't, wouldn't you just no. sometimes want to play Thielen or Julio or AB or whoever? Uh, no, let me finish. So like, th- let's do this week. Tyreek Hill's on the list. Okay. I would, I, would, I would do a correlation play with Mahomes and him. I would do the chalk at running back. Um, and then I would fill out as best I could using other buy low guys. Um, if I needed the money, you know what I'm saying? Like I would go around the, my, my, how much, uh, Hill and, uh, and Mahomes cost me and how much the chalk plays at running back cost me. Um, I think running back is easiest because the chalk usually hits, um, you know, trying that to is, second, that is true. Trying to second guess running backs, I think, is a fool's errand, and, and you're not going to really do much better than the consensus of the experts. Well, and it comes and it comes back to a lot of what you've said, which is that you know it really is projecting volume is the most important thing, and the chalk running backs, like running back volume, even compared to wide receiver volume, is so easy to predict. Like teams really forecast there's what they are going to do. Yeah, there's only one of them, and, uh, and and even then, if you get the game script right and you get all that matchup stuff right, what are you talking about? Two or three extra carries. One of them better be a shot play, and that's variance on its own. And so you just, I mean, I, I just I don't think it's worth thinking about as much as people think about it. Um, the but anyway, so that's what I would do. Tight ends, tight end is is a different animal, um, you know, and, and and it's probably the place I struggle the most. I know people like to think that there's a matchup for tight ends. That no, is actually- t- this is the this is actually the worst, laziest analysis that anyone on uh, that anyone does is like, oh well, this team struggles against tight ends. The actual, the only thing I will ever consider in terms of like worrying about this defense shutting down a tight end is like if if some team does have an amazing strong safety, maybe you will think about it. But like uh, the Browns play the Chargers this week. And so, like, David Njoku had 11 targets last week. Like, he's just a good play. I'm not going to not play David Njoku because, this, uh, because the Chargers have Derwin James. But I guarantee you, if you listen to enough tout shows this week, someone will say, well, you can't play David Njoku because they have Derwin James. Right, right. Yeah, and so the answer to your question is I'm not always just using my buy lows. Um, but I would enter 150 lineups with a lot of them on there. Um, and I certainly be heavy on the top five because it's shown that 
past five weeks running and, and last year and the year before there were a lot of million maker lineups that included those players. Um, you know, the, the buy low, what makes the buy low interesting is not the fact that the guys smash. It's that they smash and the public's not on them. And so it gives you differentiation in a lineup in a tournament. And that's, that's, that's the, I mean, if, if I was seriously playing DFS, I would make multiple types of models like that. Like, you know, finding subsets of players each week that were either bound for regression that I would avoid or that were probably low owned and um, could give me differentiation. And that is the one way that this defense could potentially be profitable because if there was a situation in my fate in the defense is if there was a situation where the public was off a guy and even the sharps were off a guy. And so he was super low owned and all the volume and other indicators were there. But because he's playing the Jags, no one was on him. I, would, I mean, I would, if you just played just played guys against the Jaguars, like if you personally just played guys against the Jaguars for all 16 weeks this year, you, you'd probably make money just because there would be two or three games where the other team would score 40 points and you'd smash. I, I actually will say this for your analysis. Obviously, it's not that controversial because guess what? All defenses seem like they suck right now because offense is so easy. Teams are passing so much and calling plays so much more efficiently. I think you would be hard-pressed to ask a casual fan a dominant defense other than the Jaguars. People would probably say, like, the Ravens, maybe, but Andy Dalton dunked on them. I, I don't even know. Can you even think off the top of your head who, who like, every week on Roto-Grinders, we have this question that is, who, what skill position players are you targeting versus an elite defense? And everyone just always says, like, the wide receiver one against the Jaguars or whatever, because there's not even such thing as an elite defense anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just punt on those questions. Like, people asking me those type of questions, and I go, man, just follow your bliss. Pick, pick one. Pick one at random. Um, if we're talking defense, which defense is going to do good? I mean, but everyone's always known that. It's funny. There's this disconnect. We know that picking defenses in DFS or in fantasy or whatever is just basically a fool's errand, and there's lots of, you know, lots of variants, and that even you just, when try, we, you just try and get the against the team that's going to throw the most pass attempts because then you have the greatest chance for a, a touchdown. Right, that's and like that's literally all, every week. And that's the Vegas line. Like you know, you you try and find the the teams using Vegas that are going to throw the most. That might have the most negative game script, but we all know that. Well, if you've looked at it, you know that those are not predictive ideas, and those concepts aren't very good um, to actually lead you to winning picks. So I, I really feel like, uh, you know, spend more time on the other parts of your lineup construction and don't waste your brain power on that stuff. So all of this has been relative to DFS, and I'm still not 100% convinced that you don't matter or that your take that defenses don't matter is real simply because, uh, like what, what Bale said um, on Twitter, which is basically like when you're, when you're trying to get hyper accuracy, you want to be pro data, but when you're trying to make decisions that result in probability or in profitability, you need, there's more of a human edge. There, there is more of, it's more NFL DFS is honestly kind of more of a feel game, not even so much for tournaments, but like for cash games, when you have, when you, like when you have a two V two, sometimes you just have to go with, you know, what your, what your feel is, what the intuition is. And that's not to say that that is, what the data will say so much, but just like eventually you have to make those decisions, but for betting against the lines for betting against the spread. Like I know I've heard you mention on Twitter before, you know, maybe three times a year, a line will just be so bad that you unload the clip. And I'm not asking you to give away the special sauce or anything, but what is, 
one or two potential indicators that might show a line is way off that would be found from realizing that defenses do not matter. So it wouldn't work in Vegas lines because of the interaction between the two offenses and all of the information being captured by a Vegas line. Um, models will tell you good models, well, well-tuned models that are good uh, out of sample predictors will tell you when there is a good opportunity. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of that is just stuff that isn't factored in that actually does matter in Vegas. And one of them uh, early on is we talked about it and we talked about it on regression to the mean and regression to the mean. And it was those early home games, uh, at, at Denver, um, that yeah, Vegas, you, just, you, you just, you bang those. Yeah, Vegas does not have that in there. They literally don't factor it in, and it's real. Um, and there are physiological reasons for it. It's absolutely true. Um, and But it's not in Vegas's model because it's an outlier, but it's a real outlier that has good information behind it, science behind it that isn't just narrative-based. Um, and, and, and that's why I'm completely open to the idea that maybe uh, maybe Atlanta – um, is a funnel defense for wide uh, for running backs, and and maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's a cover three aspect to it. I don't know. I can test that. I could test and see if there are other if there are other uh, defenses out there with cover three. They give up a lot of points to the running back position. I could actually do that data analysis, and maybe I will. I mean, but I just haven't seen enough evidence to like pull me away from all the other important things I want to do to 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 do that study. Um, but there are ways to do that. There are ways to validate these narratives. Um, I'm just, I wish people would, that's all. I just wish people would. I will say the, the biggest bet I made this year was chiefs minus three or what three and a half at home to the Jaguars. That was like uh that was the worst line I think I'd seen all year long because that was banking. That line is all about the defense. That, that line was all about the YPA allowed by the Jaguars defense. And I just didn't think there was any chance that that was a good line. Yeah, and I saw, uh, and I love Scott Barrett. He was saying something about regression. There was no regression in Mahomes' play, and and there absolutely was. But it wasn't about his regression and his talent. His true talent is awesome. Like against the, against the, he hasn't thrown a passing touchdown in like fifteen days now. I mean, I he's know, like right? neither wire fodder. I, it's 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 insane that that is the measure of skill in the way people think about fantasies, like touchdowns. It's like it's the most high variance thing, way to measure skill in the world. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and like, imagine if, if instead of his run, he had a, sh- a, a shuffle, shuffle toss touchdown instead of one of the, uh, Kamara run or not Kamara, but, uh, hunt runs for a touchdown. It was another short pass to, to Tyreek. I mean, the narrative would have changed completely off of touched how the touchdowns were scored on offense rather than the fact that the touchdowns were scored on offense. Um, Mahomes had eight yards per attempt, which is elite. It's absolutely elite. It's a full yard over uh, league average against the best passing defense in all of football. Like he's going to have a bounce back game this week. The fact that Reeks on the fucking list, I just think, I don't know. I don't know. I, I never have too much confidence in anything, but it just seems like this is a, that's a really good pairing this week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and just in general, like, uh, I'm. I am very ready for Mahomes to break the passing touchdown record, though. <laughs> he like honestly, honestly, if these rushing touchdown, the, his like ability to rush is going to limit how many passing touchdowns he throws because it's just so easy for him to gain four yards near the goal line. And like like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning would never rush those in. Those would always be passing touchdowns to you know Gronk or whoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Final final words. 
on why defenses do not matter and what people who and no okay anyone who can you try and structure a bet that anyone out there that you would actually take on defense is not mattering? Is there a bet out there that you would take that you would agree as fair as a way, as a way to test the hypothesis, even if it was over a season or two or three seasons or whatever, not on, not on a median projection. No, it's impossible because it just doesn't okay. matter um, because it doesn't move the needle where it matters is. And this is where Bales convinced me and why I actually agree with him. Remember, he said, I use data when I'm trying to be accurate, but when I'm trying to win, I don't. What he, what he meant and what I mean is when you take advantage of people's perceptions, right, and, their owners, and then the ownership that follows those perceptions, that's not using the model, right? That's different. That's yeah. leveraging people's confidence, overconfidence, whatever it might be. So if there was a situation or two or three, it would have to be numerous of them for it to, to sample to get large enough to actually probably make money. Um, you know, it would be EV plus from my point of view um, to locate situations where the, a player who makes perhaps the buy low list near the top um, is also playing the, the, the percept, perceived top defense and he's faded because of that, despite all the rest of the positive indicators that we know are true and that should dominate. Um, if then I could create a DFS lineup with him that where that ownership percentage difference actually created value for me and gave me a greater chance to win, if I could do that enough times, that would be the test. That, 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 is, the, that is the way you can make my, uh, my defenses don't matter take um, be testable in a betting environment and profitable if I'm right. I actually think after, after talking with you about this, I think you and I are closer than I thought before we started because, because you are, you are conceding, not even conceding, just it is part of your projection model that the opposing offenses do matter and do, you know, can do that is an input to game script that is an input to volume which really at the end of the day i would assume most high level dfs players would agree with you it, it is it's a volume game you're trying to project the greatest amount of interactions because interactions lead to fantasy points yeah no no i agree with that completely um but saying that the opposing offense matter matters is uh, a completely different thing than defenses don't matter it is i hope everyone who listened to this is sufficiently triggered if you if you if you want more if you want more you can find Josh's buy low model that we just spent forty five minutes talking about at four for four dot com. You can go to airyards dot com. You can see all of these inputs. You can't see everything in the secret sauce, but you can you have access to all of these tools. Uh, were you to want to use them and uh, and to win more money, Josh? As always, thank you very much, my friend. Right on, Davis. Thanks for having me on.